Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host, Adil Kurji, and uh, my guest today, as he is all week, is Niall McGowan. Hey, ho. Um, uh, I have yet to leave the bath, so uh, we're <laughs> I'm a bit worried about the microphone placement because I think it's quite dangerous, but let's see how we, uh, how we get on with it. Uh, great. Um, we are in uh, minute 12, so 12, zero, zero to 1259. Um, our minute starts uh, with um, our hero in the bath. Wearing a fez, uh, having just lost Among Us, and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar having chastised him, or rather just explained that he is surprised that he's so bad at this game, given he's the world's greatest detective. And we are left with a minute, uh, a nice tight minute. Um, the last couple of minutes we've had have been sort of across uh, thematic thresholds we'll say here we're we're at a point where it's essentially him and his mates um Stephen Sondheim Angela Lansbury Tasha Leon and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh talking about um playing games uh we'll talk about the details there playing games the toughness of lockdown uh and uh, ways of distracting himself and um we also hear um Philip calling after him, uh, saying there's a box being delivered. Oh, I've missed the step. The step being, um, there's this lovely moment about, um, are you in the bath again? Philip says you haven't left the bath in a week. Uh, and um, Now that's hyperbole. Sh- yeah, that's hyperbole, yeah. Uh, I think probably just because so much of this is dialogue-based, this synopsis is basically going to be, you know, we, we're introduced to the notion of Philip, that he's in the bath, and then he laments, no, he doesn't like games, doesn't like distractions. He's no good at games, and uh, always gets squirrely between cases. Um, and that's what he needs. Uh, and he needs, and that's sort of where the minute ends. Is yeah. the, uh, that's I a- need a challenge. I need, and then we're done the minute. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think because of the nature of this, we'll probably cover the actual words being said throughout. Um, so... Initial thoughts on the minute? Oh, oh, I love this minute. This is one of my favorite minutes of the whole movie. I think, uh, I think, yeah, I said that at the beginning of the last minute as well, that the, the two minutes, two and three of this week uh, were just a joy. <laughs> when I watched them initially, it was just like, I was just so happy to see. Uh, uh, particularly, because again, they're talking about stuff that um, you can really, really empathize with as well, because everyone was kind of in this funk throughout the entire entirety of lockdown themselves. And, you know, even suggestions of things of like, have you tried uh, Quiplash? It's been like, yeah, try Quiplash. You know, <laughs> like I've, I've been through all the the game. We were all playing the same games. We we're all doing the same thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, I re- really enjoy this minute. And then too, um, I don't know if it's because we obviously have to stick within uh, the minutes remit. But like, you know, if you, because if, I think I recognized Philip's voice immediately as soon as I heard it. So I wasn't too sure. Like, can we talk about who plays Philip in this as well? Or I mean, it's it's audio visual. Um, uh, but you know, we we're supposed to talk about new actors introduced. I think Philip was introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, if you recognize the voice, then that's not external, right? I, I think yeah. So why, go ahead. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's obviously like it's one of those things of getting as you know inundated with these cameos, and mm-hmm. then hearing a voice and been like, is that like? I don't know about you, Adil, because obviously you, you know, mm. would have grown up in in Canada. So I'm sure you were you've they, they, they got in Canada as well. I'm certain. Oh, but, uh, 
befuddle, befuddlingly charming shtick. Um, I mean that in the nicest way. Um, was definitely exported all across the Western world. Yeah, because I think it was it, the... that in this minute we don't see him on screen. Yeah, yeah. We in fact hear him only, as I think we started a few minutes ago talking about. I guess we also can't get into like his relationship with. with yeah, with yeah. Blanc, so, all, so yeah. Um, yeah. So so the 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 mentions of Philip in this minute right are um, Benoit's in the bath. Uh, and they go, but Philip told me you haven't left the bath for a week. Oh, that's hyperbole. That's hyperbole, as you pointed out. <laughs> and then what I really like about that uh, that line is um, it's and it's the full scene and it's um, I kind of love it. Right. Mm. So before we, we saw a close on his face and then like a framing of the rubber ducky on the little wooden thing and the, you know, the devices and him. Uh, now we see that like it's the full bathroom and there's like a house coat or a shirt or something draped on the toilet. There's just detritus everywhere. There's multiple papers. There's towels on the floor. There's tons of books. It's kind of a um, it, it, again. You would think like oh hyperbole it would be like oh saying someone's been in the bath for a week is like well they've probably they've been in the bath like in and out kind of thing for a week. But that the the, the amount of stuff around him almost indicates that, no, he has literally been in the bath. Like, he hasn't even got out of the bath, except maybe to go to the toilet, I guess. Like it, it, Yeah, which is still the room. Yeah, yeah. It's, um... It's, uh... It, 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 it conjures unpleasant feelings for me, <laughs> quite frankly, because... Yeah, well, I like the, the idea of the use of hyperbole being hyperbolic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, it's a really nice touch, because you're like... Like he he clearly has the house coat and slippers in the room. Mm. Uh, I mean, and and like it's the only light source is like highlighting that that that's the outfit. Um, but it's like he's in and out of the bath all week. Like you said, probably gone to the kitchen, not ever got dressed. I think that's like the that's what I I get from the scene with the like gets out of the bath, puts on the house coat and slippers, goes to get some food, mm. comes back, gets in the bath, like. Um, it's not that, like, like you said, it, it, normally you would think he's, oh, someone's being hyperbolic about how much time I spend in the bath. It's like, I took, I've had a rough week. I've taken a bath every day, mm. but it's like, no, no. So I've had a rough week. I've been in the bath most of the days. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to ask though, cause I recently, um, I've moved out of the place now though, but for the first time in a while, I actually had, I was living in a place where I had my own bathtub. Uh, and I discovered from this. That I am not a bath person, like I can't take them. Like I just the sitting, the sitting and doing nothing in water is like I just don't get it. Like I, I, I can't relax. Like I already, I do have like anxiety in general. Like so, it's that might be part of it. But like I've tried so many times because one of these things that's sold to you has been this great experience of the great luxury of lying in the bath and having nothing to do. And as soon as I'm in there, after about ten minutes, I'm like, okay, I gotta get out of this. This is horrible. But, yeah, it's. It's definitely different strokes for different folks. Like, I enjoy a bath every once in a while. Um, at the beginning of lockdown, I was living in Bristol uh, with five other people uh, and had been for a couple of years. And even though there was only one, like, there were three toilets, but one shower or bathroom. Mm -hmm. And it was okay because our schedules are different. But then the landlord had to, was behind on a lot of maintenance that the council was insistent that he get on top of. Yeah. And so he ripped off apart the walls in the bathroom to retile them. 
but he's in the 70s and doing it all by himself and it's lockdown and so he came whenever he found the time mm. which meant we lost the ability to shower because oh. the walls were exposed so we had to use the bath um for almost two months oh. and uh that cemented me not being much of a bath person also, but also part of that's probably because it's like bucket bathing because we don't have enough hot water for all of us to uh, take a bath and well, you man. definitely aren't sharing bath water with your five housemates mm, mm. i think it's the relax relaxing in water type thing that some people like and like some a lot of people read right and uh read right read correct um they might write in there too yeah you know, yeah. yeah fair um the and I get it to a point, but I, I have the same sort of thing where I think it's like there's only so much time I could spend. And I, I feel weird about like I wouldn't do this thing that Benoit's doing with the wood plank and a laptop. I feel kind of I'm a little clumsy. I don't want to ruin things. Mm. I don't even like using like the phone in the bath, even if I'm holding the way. It's just not like the type of thing. I also I think like if I'm going to take a bath, I kind of like the mindfulness, like just be in the water. That's what the point. Yeah. But I don't know if you've tried this, but have you ever sat in the shower? No, I have never sat in the shower. Like, a, it's not a thing that's ever occurred to me. <laughs> but... Sitting in the shower is great, ah. especially, like, if you're feeling a lot of emotions or you just, like, want to decomp and just be. I mean, I have ADHD, um, and so I, maybe it's the, like being able to relax and then there's enough happening right to distract and mm. it's like it's i sitting in the shower to me like if you've got a decent pressure you know it's a, even if the water's hot it's not gonna be too hot by the time it you know, travels that extra like half meter that it would normally yeah. hit you right away um it's kind of like physical white noise okay good. right where like there's enough happening that you can kind of just tune into it and other stuff kind of gets literally washed out mm. right um but it's just really enjoyable it's like warm you can make it warmer it's like in the rain but you're sitting you're relaxed you're not having to put a lot of effort right you don't ha you can slouch you can sit up straight you know it's just that to me i think i get out of that what some people get out of the bath mm -hmm. that like relaxing i'm here in this zone and not anywhere else okay okay yeah good. i'll have to give it a try to see what the see if it, it, it i don't know maybe I, my, my thing might be more like i, I don't want to be sat doing anything for more than a couple of minutes so well so i think that that's what i like about sitting in the shower is like you're not filling the whole tub and feeling like well the whole like look at all this water right it's like i can sit in the shower for 30 seconds yeah but i can also just stand like stand up and then finish or i could sit for a bit longer because mm. uh, i think you do see a little bit of the water uh, at certain angles Mm. And like it, it kind of will, it might just be the shading of the tub, but it also has that vibe of like the reason I find this so particularly unappealing with uh, with with Blanc is that mm. that water is probably like tepid as all hell, and it's probably like he's been stewing in his own juices for a long time. It's not like a nice bubble bath where it's like a kind of you know inviting kind of appearance. It looks as if he's sitting in like room temp, dirty water, and he's been there for like hours. And the whole vibe of it is just like, ugh. Like, it's, it's, it's so unpleasant to me <laughs> that he's been doing that. That I'm, um, yeah, and it, it conveyed quite well, too. So he's not in there too clean. He's already probably, he's probably getting dirty by sitting in there more than anything, really. As you put put it, stewing in your own juices, right? You're stewing in increasingly cold juices. And the only thing you do, right, is you top it up when every once in a while to not freeze, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's one of those things where... 
you're not draining and refilling, like you're just slightly diluting, but constantly having. Mm-mm. This this episode's gone quite bathwater um, <laughs> detailed in a way that I personally wasn't expecting. Yeah. Do we think Benoit Blanc sells his bathwater like some sort of e-celeb? <laughs> yeah. Uh, ooh, okay. Well, um, at the risk of just, I'm going to just hard turn us into other parts. Um, but I don't, I don't want to uh, throw out the Benoit with the bathwater. So we're still going to talk about him, just not this particular predilection. <laughs> Um, um, we do get some so, uh, dialogue with, um, like, I can't look. The, we kind of talked about generally, like, oh, do you like? We do. The, one of the first lines of the dialogue is uh, Natasha Leone asking, "I think maybe this game's just not my thing." Maybe we should try a Quiplash or code names. No, no. Um, I don't know. Have you? Tra- mm-hmm. Did you ever get into Quiplash? That's one. Of the, that's one of the Jackbox uh, games, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's have you. We could try Quiplash or code names, mm. uh, and Quiplash was is like one of the oldest and uh, I think most beloved um, Jackbox games because it's so simple. Yeah, um, uh, it's one we'd often like. So in lockdown, uh, my group of friends in Bristol or who were all together in Bristol at one point, but had already like we had a person who was in South Africa at the time and Spain and Bristol and Gloucestershire, all those exotic places. Um, and um, we would just we would do a bad movie night, mm. so we could riff over top like, like the the like one two three hit play coordination and then like communal Discord call to just riff and joke with each other and then afterwards we would um, and have a couple drinks and afterwards we would play games often. Um, Jackbox. I kept trying to steer people towards board game board game dot com. If never played it, mm. I'll just say that. It's a consternating thing for a lot of people. Um, and we would always have a chunk uh, of quiplash just because it's so fun and easy to apprehend. And like you, even if you don't have a good one, you can laugh at everyone else's and like the voting. I don't know. It just sort of works. Yeah. Yeah. Quiplash is I, I, I was uh, I was rough on Among Us there uh last minute quiplash is a game i have played even prior to lockdown people were playing quiplash and i I do always enjoy it i think it is actually a pretty i've never played code names though i have no idea what that is look i appreciate what you're all trying to do for me here we're worried about you buddy lockdown hasn't been easy for any of us oh really oh it's a it's a traditionally a it's a board game but it does have an online version and the idea is uh it's two teams and they're, you basically deal out cards in, like, I think a 5x5 five five grid. It doesn't really matter. And they have words on them. Mm. Like, you know, blue, robin, plane, jet. Yeah. <laughs> purple. I don't know. I'm not going to be... A variety of words. Um, and then there is a key card. So one member of each team go, um, are at the front, and there's a key card which shows a, a map of the 5x5 five five grid or whatever the size of the grid is, and it'll have, like... T- uh, red squares and blue squares, a black square, and the rest will just be the same color as the cards physically are, yeah. which is like a tan color. And the object of the game is to give a one-word clue and a number um, that to, that is supposed to associate cards on the board that are your color. Mm. So you're saying, so for example, I could say like flight three. And then 
my and that's supposed to tell um, my team that there are three cards associated with flight that are red colored because I'm the red team player and they guess the three and um, if they get it wrong that's fine they stop guessing yeah if they get it right they get the three that's great mm. um, but so getting it wrong could be also accidentally getting the other person and the, the point is when all of your words have been flipped your team wins yeah but the black one is if someone guesses that one they're dead mm-hmm. you just lose it's the assassin and so you sort of take turns so i'll say like so obviously if you can be conservative and say like some word in two and probably get it but then you're kind of at the mercy of turn order yeah so you're trying to want to go big but not too big and so and the words are such that sometimes it's a very esoteric association that you have they don't but there's still the information from before, and you can guess one extra clue per round if you're trying to, oh, I think now I know that clue from the first round that we didn't do the second. Like, you said three, you get us two, and we passed because we didn't want to burn a card. I think that third one is this one. Um, and it's just a lot of fun to see the different ways people think and have thought patterns and try and, like, have to smash those together. Like, what are you thinking? Like, wh- what do you think we would associate with flight? Mm. And it's like, oh, shoot, like, you know, of course you have um, words that have multiple meanings and like they might have just not seen that you would read bow and bow, right? Things like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tons of fun. I think it's better in person just because of like, hearing and being around people yeah. and interplay of the team. My experience of all those types of games is they're always better in person. There's just more. I think I just don't like sitting on on camera for these kind of things like i don't know what it is again as mentioned in previous episode like i'm great with podcasts and I'm sitting and having like a topic to talk about and just staring into a microphone can do that all day long but yeah something like, like something about this the zoom game scenario just doesn't it doesn't click with me like even playing things like quiplash we'd always do it when people were in the same room like and it was just and everyone do it on their phones or whatever and then just watch it up in the big screen, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I like, like yeah, I used to call Jackbox games living room games. Yeah, yeah. They're their best in a party with, like, a TV or something. Mm, mm. So that's, uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, but what, what, what's your, uh, are you, because uh, you've become, like, a real, real cult figure uh, recently. Like, are you a big uh, Natasha Leone fan, or are you someone you're completely indifferent to? Or? Uh, so I haven't, we talked about this last time, I haven't... Uh, seen her latest stuff i really like her in the things i've seen her in although because i'm a bit older like she's still american pie yeah right yeah that was the uh that's yeah for a long while to me that was like oh like, even when um because she popped like her kind of career resurgence began with uh orange is the new black right and that's where i think most people know her from yeah yeah um i remember like when that show started i was like oh is that girl that's a lady from american pie i've not seen her and like like 10 plus years uh, as because yeah. she was in like a massive spirals of drug addiction and stuff like she went through a rough 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 old time which is why like you know drug addiction drinking and obviously smoking because she has this really raspy kind of way of talking and stuff yeah but i think that's just how she talks like even for she's had the same voice since american pie i don't think she was like a i think it's just it's six. just gotten worse like over time it's gotten more because i think she's nah, fair enough i i haven't tracked it well enough i can't quite remember oh yeah i think i think she was like you know smoking from a young age and then it's it's now but well, it's, i mean i guess i benefit the doubt some people just sound smoky right yeah but she a lot because i absolutely love natasha leon she's like one of my favorite people in the world uh so i watched mm-hmm. like a lot of interviews with her and like i know she's got a weird thing where She's actually got shekels in her throat, 
which probably mm. adds a lot of things to so like not only all the freaking nicotine tar going in there um apparently when she was a kid when she was over in israel she swallowed a bunch of shekels and they could never get them out so if she taps her neck hmm. you could hear them rattling around in her throat so that i guess that's adding to the roughness of everything in there as well that's wild yeah <laughs> and then she's um i think that now it's because she obviously did like a lot of other sort of acting gigs like american pie and then um but i'm a cheerleader as her playing very against oh i really liked by but i'm a cheerleader that i was trying to my brain was trying to get to wait what is that movie that I really liked her in um, from a while back, uh, before her sort of re- re- resurgence, mm, mm. and that's definitely it. It's it's a very good film. Yeah, oh, it's um, a fantastic film. Got, that's that's had a that was one as well that like when it came out, nobody cared for, and now it's only grown in massive popularity with people with the very particular types of people too, because it's just like an LGBT classic now. Um, yeah, exactly. It um, even has RuPaul in it. As well, a, you know, pre pre drag race RuPaul is like is like the PE teacher or something. Oh, is pre drag race? Is it that old? Oh, it's like ninety nine or something. Like yeah, it's like a long, long time ago. Um, I think she's kind of like, the, 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 the eventually. Then you get into like her and Orange is the New Black is kind of playing into like well, she's a drug addict and it, and she's kind of got this rough way of acting. It's like well, that's kind of her playing herself. And then you get to like Russian Doll, which was you know co created by her. And it's her swaggering around. And she's like a massive Peter Falk Columbo fan. She's really into Marlowe, the Elliot Gold, you know, version of um, Philip Marlowe in particular from like the long goodbye and stuff in the 70s. And so all that's really informing like Russian Doll, particularly that first season, is her just wandering around smoking in a trench coat, investigating things. Uh, and from that, mm-hmm. that's how like last season, me and Allison were talking about like, oh, she should just play Columbo. And here it is. Right. Like now she's sort of made like a cult of personality about herself where. If she, you know, that, that that's what people want when they see her. They want the they want the smoking. They want the rough way of talking and the uh, ipso facto, yeah. uh, that way of acting. Um, but that's fair. You know, but it's, it's kind of got to a point now where I'm certain people are going to start going like, "Is this all she can do?" But I can I can assure you, nah. she's got 30 years plus of a career. We there's a back catalog to show. You know, slums yeah. of Beverly Hills and uh, all about evil and stuff. It's like, no, she can do other stuff. It's just now that she's hit upon a thing where. People just like this, and they want to see it for a while. So, yeah, I mean that's more also just a studio problem, right? So, like, um, I, like I mean, we're talking about right? Like, I don't, I don't think he was even able to take scripts like the mm. for most of his career, right? No, no, no. He had to kind of age him, so. age into that to be like, oh, okay, you've been yeah. away for a while. Now you can have the revamp of your kind of um, your persona. Speaking of that, I, I mean, I, I enjoy the. The poignancy of Benoit's speech on like between jobs is a problem for him. Mm, mm. Obviously, it's not about the paycheck, but you know. Yeah, although you, I'm sure um, he gets paid quite well. So. Yeah, I also really enjoyed Daniel Craig's acting in this. Right, he's in the bath. He's not moving. Mm. He's holding the cigar. He had a puff earlier in the scene. Right, this is like two minute thirty ish. Right, uh, and he like well lit for half his face. You've got actually, I think it's like. Given that he's looking at, when he looks at the laptop screen and making eye contact, right? It's almost perfect Rembrandt lighting. Mm. Um, and he, like, is just using his hands enough to show his, like, frustration while describing, like, calmly that, like, he troubles, he has troubles. And then he, like, so much good facial acting, but, like, pause, open your mouth wide because you're, like, wanting to grab the, like, frustration 
but obviously you just have like uh, the, the words you know i struggle and like i go insane right mm. and he just it's so emphatic and he's literally acting at uh macbook air mm. well get that would you you're not in the bath again are you it, no I'm just, I lose it between cases anyway. I think I might be going insane. <laughs> My mind is a fueled up racing car and I got nowhere to drive it. Hey, can I ask you, have you tried crosswords? No, no, Natasha, I, I don't need puzzles or games. The last thing I need is a vacation. I need danger, the hunt, the challenge. I need. Right, and, and he's like, pouring his heart out to his friends <laughs> like look i always am here um this is just worse yeah this is now that uh, there's like a thing that's stopping me from actually just going out and getting another case yeah. it's yeah, it's, yeah so, it's, it's, so so what i want is just before we like deep go too deep into it right he says my mind is a fueled up racing car and i've got nowhere to go mm. such a really good line and like he says it and he finishes line and Daniel Craig just has this like wide-eyed, almost panicked look. Like I, I have nowhere to. He says it softly. I have nowhere to go. Mm. In this like soft frustration, and then he has this look of, the heck am I gonna do? Right? Like it's just such an intense moment mm. Mm. in the middle of a calm, exasperated speech around you know playing video games on the laptop in the tub. Yeah. And I just, it, I wanted to point that out because it was, it's like I said, so poignant and like such a good window into like, it's definitely not the paychecks. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think it's, uh, you know, we've seen him, when we see him like do the parlor scene moments mm. in, in these films, right? It's this almost frenetic explanation of that we get to see really cool cuts because of what he's describing we're seeing in the scenes. But if you think about him being in the room, the person, right? Benoit Blanc is just like, and then this and this and this and I'm sign this thing and that thing. And it's like this. And so when you said my mind is like a fueled up race car and nowhere to go, I, it just, I jumped to those scenes. I'm like, right, of course. That's, those are his like very important moments of release. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where he can just see the things, explain them to people and like, he, because in the explanation he gets to just let it out yeah right he gets to just drive full throttle mm. um it's very much like a anyway. like a guy he's a man of action too because like there's so many like unsolved mysteries that like oh well now ben blanc why don't you just get in all the research papers and you you can solve these mysteries from the bathtub like that'll keep your mind active but i think it's he mm. needs to be out there he needs to be among the people and talking to suspects and he just like he needs to kind of the, the, yeah. the vibrancy of being, then, like, being involved in the thing. We can't, he can't solve like the Lindbergh kidnapping. But then just yeah. be like, oh, I guess it was this person. You know, like, he needs to be there and go and like point, be able to point fingers and to be able like to manipulate the scenarios, to be able to trick people into revealing themselves and things like that. Like it's, uh, yeah, yeah. He's, um, it's, a, it, it, it's almost as if the, him stewing in his own juices in the bathtub is some sort of metaphor for uh, his no, entire I lifestyle. I think that was just a cute scene to get Angela Lansbury in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you, you're pointing out sort of the, I think, what, how the scene ends, right? Which is like, have you, Natasha Leon's like, have you tried crossbridge? Like, I don't need puzzles, right? Yeah, yeah. I need the the danger, the hunt, the challenge. Yeah. I need, end of scene. But like, it's not, like you said, it's a man of action, but I also think it's like, 
Like, I suspect he'd be good at these games if he valued them, mm. is the vibe I get, right? It's the... He, he wants something The danger, bigger. the challenge, the hunt, right? These are the things he needs to point himself at because he needs to be doing something that he feels matters, yeah. right? Yeah, It's not just about occupying his mind, mm. right? It's about doing things that matter, helping people, trying, like, and because he's a puzzle solver, this is how he can do that. Yes, yeah. Um, and part of the, like, race car part is such a good metaphor because race car, racing cars is dangerous, right? Mm, mm. He's like, my mind is a race car with nowhere to go. And it's like, when it has somewhere to go, if I could go full throttle, I, I like, it's a dangerous thing to go full throttle on a race car. I want to be let loose. I want to be in the danger. That is where I need to be, mm-hmm. not just want to be kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's fantastic dialogue. Uh for for a great character, like I'm so I'm so happy that like we we seem to be promised many more Benoit Blanc mysteries to come down the line because it's like I want to I want to see this guy out of the bathtub I want to see him in action like he's uh, Daniel Craig is such a joy to watch in the role so oh yeah fully yeah yeah um and I think that's a great point to um oh hilarious wait this is week three yeah. Yeah, so I think we've kind of already talked about Benoit Blanc, um, but uh, why don't we wrap the episode up with um, what are your thoughts and hopes for the third film without spoilers of this film? Uh, I mean, I'm happy to go. um, Like, if they were to announce Benoit Blanc in space or something, like, I'd be like, (laughs) go, yeah, go wherever with it. Because I think it is just going to be like. 100% in that vein of like what Kenneth Brown is doing now with uh, Poro. Where you get freaking Gal Gadot wheeled out to be like, I love champagne to feel the Nile. And, all, you know, all the big celeb friends coming together for to go off and to exotic locales and things like that. Um, the And I'm, I'm happy to, to maintain that as like a, um, as a, as a traditional type of thing. Like, I'm not going to come out and be like, I want like something completely different from Knives Out 3. I was like, I want more of the same. <laughs> like, quite frankly, I'm uh, I'm happy to to keep it going. Um, like, what what are your thoughts though, Adil? Like, what what, what would have you anything you you'd like to see in Knives Out three? Yeah, so we talked about it earlier this week, right? That like I liked Knives Out more than Glass Onion, kind of because the vibe was old school and kind of it was obviously there were moments like and technology and like hints smartphones that are that it was of a certain time but it also felt kind of timeless because most of even the clues and like the interactions were all just in this old house people being people you know sure cars exist but other than that it's kind of it felt kind of like it could be any time uh while this movie feels very of its time right post lockdown uh poking at the notion of a tech billionaire being an unimpeachable genius, Mm, mm. right? Uh, And I like that. I like... I like that the series has done that. I just happen to prefer the style and vibe of the first one, yeah. right? And so I am super curious if it's going to be another sort of poke at a type of wealth that we haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that seems to be the through line. Um, <laughs> so the but next also, one is Benoit Blanc goes after the poor. <laughs> oh, I assumed it was like the monarchy or something. Oh. You know? <laughs> no, he's, he's like, taken down the have... impoverished the pegger too. They've they begun to uh, complacent. Oh, I mean, that would be very interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I, would, yeah, I would be I'm, okay if they wanted to do, yeah, Blanc, Blanc on the buses. Like, he's over in England, taken down <laughs> by all means. We just wasted 
millions on the coronation over here. By all means, Ryan Johnson, come over and <laughs> have a critique of the monarchy. Like, we're, someone needs to do it, goddammit. Yeah, so, um, I guess, yeah, I um, would love to see the next thing be another, like, sort of total vibe shift. Yeah. Um, you know, hoping for something I, like uh, Benoit Blanc meets Benoit Noir, his... Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean... I actually don't want to get a Moriarty. I think I like that it's just more Columbo. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I would love to see is actually... Um, so, like, the first movie was about a family and its craziness, and Benoit was the outsider, right? And then, and then of course, Hannah de Arma's character, also an outsider in, 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 in that family, um, just connected, right? Mm. Um, but I would love... And then this is, like, there's a artificial family of like conspirers that like so this this group of people who all met this group of people who are somehow connected to this billionaire right um and so it is about it's they're both sort of relationship bound but i'd love for three to be closer to home you want to be like Benoit, like ben, something the, the, in the Blanc his family in, reunion, and then like there's a, well, not even just the family, right? Because what I liked about what I like about Glass Onion is the close relationships are not familial. Yeah. So it would just be either an echo of his past or something with. <laughs> oops, delete that, Darren. <laughs> uh, something with this person who apparently he lives with, <laughs> um, or like some sort of not not just a callback to like a case that was solved and maybe wrong or something like that that would be a little mm, too like tropey mm. uh it, it, but something like he now has to deal with not having that distance yeah but yeah. still that same structure of fam- familial or close ties i think that'd be super interesting and then i think that would be then do it in space do it in an oil <laughs> well i don't know whatever i wouldn't, introduce, I wouldn't uh... care Rachel Weiss with a mustache to be his Moriarty. Mm. And there's all the sexual tension because they're actually together in real life and stuff. Um, yeah, but uh, um, I, 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 I think that's a great idea, actually. Like, yeah, because um, although my goal in my whole thing of like, well, I don't want to see a, a prequel about Willy Wonka, but like to have yeah you know, maybe hints hints oh, of the past of Benoit Blanc where he comes from and stuff. Then yeah, but it wouldn't be a prequel, right? It would just be. We're learning about his past because of the current. Thing. Yeah, you can do you can do that very well, like they did with um, in uh, you know the first two seasons of like the Hannibal Lecter TV show they did with Mads Mikkelsen. You don't know anything about mm. his past, and then season three, like oh, we're delving into the backstory, and all they ever give you is like little slivers that may or may not be true and stuff. Um, so something like that was like, yeah, like Blanc's past sort of been alluded to, and you get little bits of it, but like. You don't want to see him getting bullied and like scraping his knee in the schoolyard and all that kind of thing. You just want to give him uh, a, bit, a bit more character depth to find out like why he is the way he is, but not like overtly let it all spill out. You know, even particularly visually, you don't want to see like you know who will play the young Benoit kind of uh, scenario. Um, but I think that probably gets a good place for us to stop. Yep. The only other uh, the only other note I do have um, just to throw in because I don't I don't think we see him next minute. Um, but the reason for uh, or do we see Kareem Abdul Jabbar next minute? I mean, we saw him this minute, right on the yeah yeah we do we, 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 we do uh, we do see him because um, I mentioned uh, the other day like why Leon why Sondheim and why Angela Lansbury are there mm-hmm. and I was like but why Kareem Abdul Jabbar like what's he got to do with anything? Uh, and did not know, but apparently um, 
he's uh, he's a big murder mystery fan, uh, and uh, he actually has co-written Mycroft Holmes novels. So oh really? I didn't know no, that. Neither did I. Apparently, yeah. So the um, you know the brother of Sherlock Holmes, you can get Mycroft Holmes books written by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, so yeah, it's 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 definitely in his wheelhouse so, uh, to be in those kind of stuff. I can imagine he probably just got in touch with Ryan Johnson, and be like, I really love that Knives Out movie you made. Mm. Uh, that's my type of thing, man. So uh, there you go. That's 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 why he's there, at least. Great. Um, yeah. So I think that that. So that's us for the week. Uh, well, for the, for the, for the minute, not for the week. Wait, for the minute. That's us for the day. Sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> let's try that again. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Niall. That's us for this minute. Um, do you have a plug for today, which is Wednesday? Uh, I'll just do the plug for the same plug I did on Monday for uh, Bat Minutes, wherein, uh, much like uh, Benoit Blanc, where he just doesn't know what to do in between places, we had to talk about... Uh, a Bruce Wayne, where you know, obviously had Michael Keaton in Batman Returns, just sat in his you know big leather winged back chair, waiting for the bat signal to go off, because he also didn't know what to do when he wasn't being Batman and stuff. Um, we get into the whole characterization of Michael Keaton's Batman, Val Kilmer's Batman, George Clooney's Batman, and now Kevin Conroy's Batman, uh, all with their own unique spins on the character. Uh, minute by minute, we get into all that stuff. So. Bat Minute, the show where we break down the Batman movies, uh, minute by minute, uh, available on all good podcatchers, uh, and with a presence on every social media that I'm aware of, at least. Uh, speaking of social media, uh, you can reach us here at the show, at Glass Onion Min, all one word, and please, as always, rate, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of a choice, and um, try and write in your tiniest script on a tiny piece of paper um, your favorite minute thus far and recommendation that people listen to that episode uh, and then attempt to attach it to a pigeon, whether it's a carrier pigeon or not, and hopefully that'll get us at least one bemused listener. Um, <laughs> that's us for today. Uh, 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 thanks again, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. I've been Adele. His hits, even over here, were hits like worldwide. Like, yeah. You know, over in um, obviously I grew up in Ireland, but like uh, been like UK adjacent. Um, you're inundated like back in the '90s with Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I think people are still going on, but like it's the greatest British film ever mm. made. And you're like, is it really? <laughs> like I don't think it, it's good, but it ain't that good. But at the time, it was just like we made a movie and it's actually okay. Come on, everybody, come and look at it. Um, and then from then, like, yeah, Hugh Grant was just like, obviously he went to Hollywood and then had like massive, massive Hollywood career as well. But I just felt in, uh, if you were watching like the BBC or Channel 4, uh, during the nineties, it was just like, this was the guy, like he was just everywhere. Um, so much so then he just kind of vanished for a bit. I think he kind of went out of, uh, favor with people for a while. Um, and then notably had his, his, uh, great career resurgence recently, um, with Paddington 2. 
where like I mean you know, the Paddington movies are just phenomenal. Yeah, like yeah. there's I, I I described it to someone um, as like they they're they have no right to be as good as they are. Mm, mm, that's true. And by that I mean it's just they're they're just so much tighter than the average family kids movie has to be in the sense of what people normally get away with, and they're just so fun and wholesome still. With senses of danger, it just—they're just—I don't know—that's I really love the series. Yeah, yeah, really, really true. And then he—he he was a revelation when they were like, "Okay, so we had Nicole Kidman in the first one; she was pretty good, mm. whatever." As the villain, and then to be like, "Oh, Hugh Grant's the villain in this one," you're like, "Okay." And then you watch him; it's like, "Holy moly, he is fantastic at this!" <laughs> like him getting to play mm-hmm. like foppish evil, you know, and just been the sort of very like. Because he's always used to be the you know, charmingly befuddled, sort of uh, the everyman, except, you know, I guess it would call. Um, even though, like, you look at those rom-coms he's in, it's like, no no one's life is like that. It's just like, oh, it's insane what you're trying to yeah. do here. Uh, and uh, to see him, though, being, like, using his power for malignancy rather than for, like, hey, you like this guy. You're charmed by this person. Don't you feel just like him? Um was was terrific. He's got fantastic comedy timing, uh, and he's um, yeah, he was just an absolute joy to behold. Like, well, but of all the things, and there are many, many things to love about Paddington too. My main thing was like, oh, Hugh Grant was great in that. He should just play villains all the time now. And seeing as they had that Dungeons and Dragons film that just came out recently, he's like, mm. he's the villain in that too. <laughs> I didn't know that. I have yet to watch D and D. It's really, really good. I would highly. Apparently, it's, it's it did not do well in cinemas. Uh, so if you do have like two hours this week and you want to support a, a movie that I say support a movie, it's a giant blockbuster. This <laughs> is not as if you know it's one of these things that's like it needs your help desperately. It's not like a small independent film or something. But I would highly recommend going out to see uh, Dungeons and Dragons while it's still in cinemas because he's he's terrific in it. But the whole film is just fantastic. It's a real real um, whole throwback to like there's no um, sarcasm in it. There's no sort of like tongue-in-cheek like we're kind of making fun of D at the same time it's just made very very straightforwardly like it's embracing what it is it's funny but it's not making fun of itself it's just like well it's we all love fantasy right so why would you take the piss out of it like let's just you know there's no kind of like well that just happened kind of humor in it it's very much like this it's a it's a old-fashioned fantasy comedy which is um which is also a joy to see as well um and yeah yeah I, 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 uh, this this will date the episode, uh, unfortunately. Ah, um, uh, we already dated the last one, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. But I know that the guy um, who made um, Paddington, like the first two Paddington movies, he's making mm. this this Willy Wonka prequel. Uh, and oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And everything about it on paper to me is like this sounds repulsive. Like I never want a backstory for Willy Wonka. Like I grew up reading the book and I love the Gene Wilder version. Hated the Tim Burton version, even though mm. I did two seasons of a show all about Tim Burton movies. Um, but one of my big affronts to the, the, the Tim Burton version was the fact that he tried to enforce a backstory on Willy Wonka, and now here's a whole film about his backstory. It's like I don't want to know anything about. I don't want to know Timothy Chalamet playing him. I don't want any of this. Mm, I didn't realize that. Yes, Timothy mm. Chalamet, he's, he's, he's already sent the internet a flutter by, by the, the sight of him in the top hat and the velvet jacket. But it's like, oh, it's Willy Wonka. But he's like, he's like pretty, pretty boy sexy kind of thing going on. Mm. Uh, but the fact that it is from the Paddington guy, it's also got like Sally Hawkins and stuff in it. It's like, 
and then Hugh Grant is in it as apparently they've announced he is playing the first Oompa Loompa. Which is Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And I know people who are like, I will never watch that. That sounds terrible, but I'm like, it sounds How could you not? terrible. It sounds <laughs> weird. Is <laughs> what it sounds like. Uh, I am in because even though I am like you know, philosophically opposed to the idea of a Willy Wonka prequel, the the caliber of folks behind it and just like it's it's Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa as the first Oompa Loompa. It's like, well, I, mm-hmm. I got to watch it. I got to see what this thing is. So I think that's out Great. like December sometime. It might be like this year's Christmas movie or whatever. But um, I wait with bated breath to see what, what becomes of this, uh, you know, this this whole debacle. But, um, but yeah, yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts on Hugh Grant generally, though, um, Adil? Like- uh, I like him. I, I think there was a time where I was definitely part of the you know that phase of not liking popular film oh yeah yeah i had that going uh-huh. for a while yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and um and like it took a while for like uh, me to gel with the genre that he was typically in mm. um because you know the patriarchy sucks to be honest um but uh yeah so it i i like him i like um i like like you said, Paddington 2 showed off that he has a depth that, like, he has just not been allowed to use. Mm, mm. Uh, and so that's um, really good to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, regardless of what you think about the type of movies he was in or got famous for, he's it is just a fact that he's always pleasant to see on screen. Yeah, 100%. 100%.